0: Amen and amen. God is good all the, all the time. I forgot to say that last week and I heard about it, so <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. We left Jesus on the cross on Friday night. We called it Good Friday. Who can call Good Friday good a term too oft misunderstood? You who have been purchased by his blood. You can call Good Friday good. No question though, death is a problem and it leaves us feeling powerless. I don't know how old you were when you discovered that death is irreversible, that it is irrevocable. I think it was when I was five years old and we encountered death in our family first in my goldfish that froze in a bowl on my grandmother's television in Missouri, and then um, a parakeet who uh, who had pneumonia, and then my grandmother who had cancer. And I was stricken at the early age with the irreversibility of death that these who were gone could not come back to me, and I could not go to them. And Even as a five-year-old, I remember the greatness of my grief. It presents a problem for us, doesn't it? We're rather like that lady that Ken Davis tells about who, who looked out in her backyard when she heard a commotion and saw her German shepherd shaking the life out of their neighbor's rabbit. And she looked and panicked and grabbed her broom and pummeled her dog till the dog released the rabbit but what to do now what do you do with death and she looked at the rabbit and realized how bad her relationship had been with these particular neighbors and well she panicked she she took the rabbit and gave the rabbit a bath and then she Blew the rabbit dry and she combed the rabbit till it looked just right and then looked out into her neighbor's backyard. And when the coast was clear, <laughs> she propped that rabbit up in the cage and stealthily went back into her living room. It was an hour later when her, her panic reemerged as she heard her neighbor screaming and she ran out there acting as though she knew nothing and said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And her neighbor said, it's our rabbit, it's our rabbit. Well, what, what's wrong? And she said, well, our rabbit died two weeks ago and we buried it and now it's back. What do we do about death? And our best efforts are, are rather like, like her best efforts. And maybe, maybe that's why when Jesus stood with Martha outside the tomb in the little town of Bethany in the cemetery and said about the tomb that held her brother Lazarus, roll away, the stone she said um, in in maybe her best um, sort of Johnny Depp Jack Sparrow not good not good don't roll this is not a good idea Jesus but just moments before she had professed her faith and said we believe that you are the son of God who has come into the world Sometimes God gives us previews. Sometimes God shows us things. And even at the moment, we don't know. When I saw Melanie two years before I saw her again, I had no idea that she was going to be my wife. When I sat somewhere back over in the old worship center on a Christmas Eve when my brother was a member of the church and singing in the choir, I had no idea that I would someday get to be pastor of this church. And when all those people were standing in that cemetery with Jesus looking at that tomb of Lazarus, they had no idea that just a few weeks later, early on a Sunday morning, another stone would roll away. And Jesus gave us a preview. And I want us to see it together this morning in John chapter 11, verses um, 21. To 27 it's a, a long story I'll try to abbreviate it for us just so that we can capture it Jesus has three really good friends who live in Bethany a brother and two sisters Lazarus Martha and Mary and they love Jesus and Jesus loves them and Lazarus gets sick and they ask Jesus to come and he doesn't come and their brother dies And they bury him. And Jesus is not even at the the funeral. And then we pick up the story. Would you stand with me as we read in John chapter 11, verse 21. When Jesus finally arrives, Martha, one of the sisters, runs out to him. Mary doesn't even get up. She just stays inside. But verse 21 says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this yes Lord she told him I believe that you are the Christ the son of God who was to come into the world would you pray with me father let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight O Lord our rock and our redeemer in Jesus name we pray amen please be seated Jesus loved his friends. Anybody here doubt that Jesus loved his friends? So when we read in John chapter 11, verse three, that the sisters send for Jesus and say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Anybody doubt what's going to happen next? We know how this story goes. We who read the gospel know Jesus is gonna come just in the nick of time. He's gonna say something, or he's gonna touch Lazarus, or he might just, wherever he is, say, okay, Lazarus is well, and Lazarus is just gonna stand up and not be sick anymore. We know how this story goes, except this time, Jesus doesn't come. And by the time he arrives, he encounters two sisters who are confused and deeply disturbed because they know that Jesus loved their brother. And if it weren't enough, Jesus, it says in verses four, five and six, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And he doesn't use the word that they use. Your friend is sick. It uses the word agape, the one Jesus loved completely and unconditionally. This is the one that Jesus, and Jesus talks to his disciples says, well, Lazarus is asleep. And they say, oh, it's good he's asleep, then he must be feeling better. No, he says, Lazarus is dead, but God will receive glory as you and others believe in him. And to read John chapter 11 is to read... The story of one family's development in faith, where they come from the point of believing that Jesus is the Son of God to the point that they understand that He embodies the resurrection, that He possesses the power of life like no other person who ever lived. And when I read this story and I read about Jesus standing outside the tomb, and I watched it on the Bible last Sunday night on the History Channel, and you know, It's mostly right, except there weren't any bricks. There was a stone. And Jesus doesn't go into the tomb. He stands on the outside and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walks out in his grave clothes. And Jesus says, take them off him. And here's what I want to know. What happened after that? What happened after Jesus brought him back to life? And what if you were Lazarus? What would you have done? Who would you have told that story to? When would you have ever stopped telling that story? And here's what I know. Sooner or later, every one of us in this room is going to face that moment with a loved one or with ourselves. We're gonna find ourselves in a cemetery. And when all of life caves in, then and only then will we know what we really believe about Jesus Christ and who he is. For the last several weeks, I've said to you, he is our rest and he is the river of life. And he, last Sunday, our reason for rejoicing and Friday night, our reconciliation. And today I just want to know who do we believe that Jesus is? Because our answer to that question has eternal implications and has everything to do with what we do about death. And I come to you this morning with news that many of you already know. That Jesus can love us. Jesus who is the resurrection and can do anything he wants to do at any time. I mean I believe in a sovereign God. And I want you to know he's my resurrection plan. So when he says in verse 26, I am the resurrection and the life, I'm not thinking there's a plan B. He is the resurrection and the life, and he's my resurrection plan. But what I encounter as a pastor and what you live with in your families is that somehow Jesus can love us and let us go through suffering. And too many times in this new year with lovely people whom we love. We have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with people. And I had no doubt in my mind that those people loved God. And I had no doubt in my, in my mind that God loved those people. So they say in verse three, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. And in verse six, it says, and Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And yet He doesn't come. And this week I've been standing with families and and thinking through that. I got an email this week from a lady in the hill country who loved a beautiful lady in our church and she said, tell me again about your conversation with her, with Glenna Spain, about John chapter 17, verse 23. And tell me again, how much God loves us, that he loves us the same way the father loves the son, God loves us that much. And we know that is true, that God loves us in that way. And the hard part for us is then to figure out how God can love us and let us go through difficulty. But what we realize is as we look at this passage that Jesus lets the one he loves die. But there comes the moment when Jesus lifts that one back to life. You know this part of the story, don't you? You know this part of the story where where Jesus takes them to the cemetery, picks up Mary along the way and and they get to the tomb and, and Jesus says, okay, roll back the stone. And Martha says, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean I believe that you're the son of God but I just don't believe and Jesus says Lazarus come forth and Lazarus comes out of that tomb and when we read that story we realize that Jesus has the power of resurrection and nobody else possesses that power look you don't see Buddha doing this you don't see Muhammad doing this they don't have a resurrection plan But what the scriptures teach is that Jesus raises Lazarus bodily from the dead and and that God will raise us also from the dead. And I read this week um, about Ed Dobson in his book, um, Out of the Fog, how when he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, he went through some of the same stages I suppose all of us go through in those times. And as he was working through that, um, for, for, for one year he, um, he decided to live like Jesus lived and he went and traveled in the Holy Land and then for one year he decided he was going to eat like the Bible tells us to eat. And then he, and then finally he thought, wait a minute, I've got a Pentecostal pastor friend. And Ed Dobson himself was the pastor of a large church up in Michigan. And he called his Pentecostal friend and said, you pray for healing for people. And I want somebody to pray for healing who really believes in healing. So I want you to come and pray for me to be healed. And, and his pastor friend came and prayed for him to be healed of his illness. And then after he prayed, he said these unforgettable words, Ed, Don't get fixated on the miracle or you may lose your focus. Instead, get lost in the wonder of God and there's no telling what he might do for you. And with you, I pray that God will work miracles and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And I don't understand why sometimes he does and why sometimes he doesn't. I don't have any easy answers to those hard questions, but this is what I know, that Jesus who walked and emptied that tomb was specific when he said, Lazarus, come forth, because if the one who's the resurrection and the life walks into unnamed cemetery and just says, come forth, everybody comes forth. And Jesus wanted Lazarus to live And if you were Lazarus or I were Lazarus, how would you live? And here's the deal. The people in the ancient world knew that dead rabbits tend to stay dead. And in John chapter 20, when they finally succeed in their plot and they kill Jesus, they also believe that dead rabbis tend to stay dead. You know, it's remarkable that in John chapter 12, we read that there's a banquet and uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus invite Jesus over to the house and they share with him in this, this feast of gratitude for bringing their brother back to life. But it makes the Jews, the chief priests, the Pharisees, not all the Jews, but the, the, the leaders of the country so angry that they decide they're gonna kill Jesus. And I'd, I'd forgotten this. Had you forgotten this? In verses nine and 10 of chapter 12, it says, and they decided they were gonna kill Lazarus too. Because the fact that Jesus raised Lazarus was why Jesus had become so incredibly popular and the whole world had gone after him. And I'm thinking, how's that gonna work? I mean he was dead once, and Jesus brought him back to life, and now you're gonna you're gonna kill him again. How's that gonna work? because Jesus brought him back once and Jesus can bring him back again and I'm just watching this, but all of this, this would all be a blip in history if a couple weeks later after they put Jesus in the tomb and Jesus' disciples fled like quail, if Jesus Christ himself had not been raised from the dead, we would not be here this morning. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, those words are hollow. Anybody can say, I can say that, you can say that, but Jesus actually did it. And what the scripture tells us is that early that Sunday morning, when the women arrived at the tomb, eventually they encounter an angel who has rolled away the stone and the, the, the guards are lying like they're dead on the ground. And the angel says, come see the place where the Lord lay. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Or as we used to sing when I was growing up, up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. We, we said last week as we were thinking about this that we'd like to be able to describe our king but he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. You can't outlive him but you can't live Without him, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't fault him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't conquer him. And the grave couldn't hold him up From the grave he arose. He said, I am the resurrection. And I'm guessing if you're planning on resurrection, he is your plan A, your plan B, your plan C because he's the only plan for resurrection because he's the only one who's done it. What I was wondering is, is the one who is your resurrection also your life? Because if he's not your life, then I don't think he's your resurrection. Jesus talks about life over and over again in this gospel of John. You can read it for yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, live eternally without God, but have everlasting life. In John chapter five, verse 24, he says, the one who believes in me, there's the key, the faith, the one who believes in me has already passed from death death to life. In John chapter 7, you believe in me. He says, come to me and rivers of living water will flow from within you. I know life-giving people like that. So do you. And in John chapter 10, he says in verse 10, I know the thieves came to destroy and to steal. I think that's death. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And how does he give that life? He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And people who believe that make Jesus their whole life. And if he's your whole life, well, then, of course, he's your resurrection. I saw this in our Rebecca Alexander, who's now Rebecca Drew, who got married yesterday morning in our chapel. Because I remember a couple years ago when we weren't sure if she was going to live. a surgery in San Francisco and months of rehabilitation. She she was sick with the same thing that took our daughter Casey's mother's life and we didn't think she would live but God gave her life and yesterday she got married to Ken and maybe they're here this morning. Ken, Rebecca, are y'all here? Just raise your hand. I, I, I don't know where they are I don't know <laughs> but they were here yesterday and God gave them life and God has given them life abundantly to share and and here's what I know about Rebecca even before Jesus healed her he was her whole life this is the person you want leading the prayer ministry at Tallowood by the way the one who's been brought to life by Jesus. Yeah, she's got something to say. She, she knows how to pray and she's praying for you and leading us to pray in this ministry and in our Vision 2020 emphasis. She's helping us get ready for that by calling the whole church to pray and Jesus gave her life and he gave it to her abundantly and their whole lives are ahead of them because Jesus Christ is their life. And then I called my friend Paul Chen this week, who's brilliant. He's one of us. He's a member of our church. He's one of the most brilliant Hebrew and Old Testament scholars anywhere. He taught at Southwestern here in town, and he joined our church some six or seven years ago. And then five years ago, he said, I'm going to China because I've been given this diagnosis of a terminal illness. Maybe they have a a medicine there. He was there nine months. He came back and said, They don't have a medicine. We don't have a medicine. Nobody has a medicine. I just called him and talked to him on the phone this week. And I said, Paul, how are you doing? He said, the Lord is the strength of my life. Jesus is the one who gives me joy and peace every day of my life. And every morning when I wake up, that's a gift. And and every day I trust him and he's outlived his life expectancy with this illness. And as we were just talking together on the phone, I said, you know, this weekend is, is Easter, Paul. And Paul can barely speak now. He said, Pastor, I can barely breathe. I can't do anything for myself. He said, I can barely breathe. And I thought about the words of W.E. Sangster, who said, it's a terrible thing for a preacher to wake up on Easter Sunday morning and not have a voice to say, he is risen. But it would be worse to have a voice and not want to shout, he is risen, he is risen indeed what if you were Lazarus what if he brought you back maybe that's why they have the party in John chapter 12 maybe that's why Martha's serving the food because that's what Martha does serve and serve maybe that's why Mary breaks out the uh, ointment the perfume that's worth one year's salary and breaks it all over Jesus feet and dries them with her hair maybe that's why Lazarus is reclining with Jesus at the table in John chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 you know why because the one who was their resurrection had become their whole life. And when you know what Jesus has done, I mean, what if you were Lazarus, what would you do? Eugene O'Neill, the playwright, tried to capture this early in his um, career. He tried to capture this with an obscure play that he called Lazarus Laughed and he tells the story of this meal. And, and there at the table is somebody who looks at Lazarus and says, all the sorrow has gone out of his eyes. Maybe, maybe when you go to the grave, they take all the sorrow out of your eyes. Eugene O'Neill writes in this play and somebody else says, I'll tell you what happened because I was there. And when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he came forth and we unwrapped him and Lazarus fell at Jesus' feet and kissed his feet and Jesus raised him up and embraced him and called him brother. And then Jesus walked away to continue his work and Lazarus watched him walk away and he laughed softly like somebody who was in love with God. I never heard a laugh like that. That laugh made my ears drunk like wine. And even though I was frightened half to death, I laughed too. You know, what would you do if you were Lazarus? Because here's a flash. You and I are Lazarus because when Jesus found us Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins but he who is the resurrection and the life lifted us all the way to life and as Matt Maher writes Christ is risen from the dead trampling over death by death come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory oh church awake to the light our god is not dead he's alive he's alive Would you pray with me, Father, thank you for the promise of eternal life that we have found in Jesus Christ. And some of us right now are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and we have no guarantee of tomorrow, but we want this to be clear. That you are our only hope of resurrection. And since you're our resurrection... We want you to be our whole life now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.